Hello and welcome to our Monday Night Euro Review Show. Now, viewers, you will notice that we have a slightly different lineup this week. There is no Tommy, but there's no need to cry because we are joined by two friends of the show from the Hopeless Wanderer pod. We're joined by Adam. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having us on as well. Now, always a pleasure. And Andy, Andy, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Uh, nice to be on. Are you sure? Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to go through this? I've got alcohol, so... Yeah. Okay, yeah, that will always help. That will always help. Well, before we, we'll, we'll delay it a little bit, before we start off with, of course, going to the Manchester Derby. How are your weekends, guys? What have you been up to? Yeah, uh, for me, it was kind of a weird one because it's kind of a relaxing one. I saw my mum for the first time because she had COVID, for example... Um, okay. My little boy, he was partying around, you know, having little invites to different parties this weekend. Oh, nice. And then I, I came down with a bit of an illness, like 24-hour bug. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a weird one, but I'm I'm all good for the pod, so ready to uh, give some opinions where needed. But, yeah, there you go, we're really ready. Andy, how was your weekend, mate? Yeah, it was good. I uh, went, up, went up to London to see a few mates on uh, over Friday, Saturday night. Um, played some football, had some drinks, so yeah, good time overall. Um, and then stuff happened yesterday. Yeah, we were. Yeah, kind of a bad end to the weekend, right? A bad end to the weekend. Well, I actually ended up having my third vaccine this weekend because of work, Ooh. and um, so I was feeling pretty rough. But then to get me through the weekend, I managed to find the website and why Leeds are so rich. Their owner owns eleven sports. I've never heard of it before. Do you guys know it? Oh, it's a streaming site, isn't yeah. it? Right, and it's free. Yeah. And guys, honestly, I can't recommend it enough. I was on a Sunday morning. The girlfriend was looking at me very confused. Going, what are you watching <laughs> at 10 o'clock? And it was, of course, the Kazakh Premier League. It was there on free. <laughs> it was there for free. Um, also, extra class. I think you can get the Belgian League. Incredible. I was like, mm. my, my, my football geekiness is about to go through the roof, I think, with all this free streaming. So definitely get on that. Um, but we're going to have to go to Sunday. I had a great football on Sunday. I just want to throw that in there. I really did <laughs> yeah. enjoy myself. But let's start with it, and we will go for the Manchester derby. Now, Andy, do you want to take us through what happened? <sighs> no, but for the benefit of the pod. <laughs> okay. Can you I take will. us through what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it was one of those, I felt a little bit optimistic. I thought, you know, City hadn't actually done the league double over, over us since like 2011 or something like that. Uh, they hadn't actually beaten us for a good since like 2014 at the Etihad. So I thought, well, actually, you know, although City are in good form, it's a derby, anything can happen. Um, I think I was a bit worried in, in the uh, 24 hours leading to the lineup being announced because mm-hmm. within the space of 24 hours, uh, Cavani... Um, having been declared fit to play on Friday, uh, suddenly decided he couldn't be asked on Saturday. Uh, so by the time it came to Sunday, he was unavailable yet again. Um, Ronaldo, for again, an, an unknown reason, was unavailable. Luke Shaw uh, was also rendered, uh, unavailable due to COVID. So that's why he wasn't in there. So overall, we were missing about and Rafael Varane as well also went down mm. with COVID. So we're about um, four, you know, potential starters um, and certainly key squad members uh, for that, which wasn't ideal, which meant there wasn't much depth in the starting lineup. But um, no, I thought when, you know, when we uh, had obviously Bruno Fernandes as a false nine, which is a thought 
would be the case because he is the most mm-hmm. probably he's outside of the strikers. He's the only one that can really consistently find the back of the net. So you go, okay, that makes sense. Um, obviously, Alanga has been in good form. So the line that seemed with what we had available seemed about the right choice. Uh, but yeah, it's just about the city. It's just they set into a rhythm really, really quickly. Um, mm. And yet again, we just look woefully inadequate on the flanks. And you can almost picture a Man City goal. What they do is they get to the byline and just do keep doing cutbacks upon cutbacks yeah. upon cutbacks. And that's where the first goal came from. Um, you know, Arawan Basaka didn't know what particular day of the week it was. Um, it was. I thought it was interesting how they clearly targeted him. Like yeah. they put all their attacks and all their wingers on the left wing and went, right, deal with this. I thought it was really interesting how they dealt with him. Um, but of the players that you listed that were missing, are there any there that you thought if we'd have had them, it could have been a different game? Um, I mean, maybe not. Maybe the forwards would have been, wouldn't have been so bad, but I did feel that... Um, yeah, I think Cavani in a game like this would have mm. made a difference. And certainly at the back, Rafael Varane. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, so I think there's been a... Because uh, Lindelof and Varane do complement each other quite well. They're yeah. a bit more relaxed. Um, whereas I think with Maguire, certainly in the form he's in this season, um, it's easy to scapegoat him on an individual basis. But And again... He had a really, really poor game, but it's also worth pointing out he was not the only one. Um, mm, you know. Yeah, I've, I think with Maguire, and I don't know what you think, Adam, but I think with Maguire, yeah. they, he becomes the lightning rod. And I think Lindelof actually arguably had a worse game than Maguire, but he becomes the lightning rod of it, right? And when the, a moment like him getting nutmegged by the ball coming off the post happens, and it's just <laughs> such bad luck, like, do you feel like he just becomes a lightning rod or do you think some of it is like fair? I, th- I think they were all calamitous moments, weren't they? And mm. that defensive kind of mix up. But yeah, you have to say that Maguire is kind of seen as the focal point. He is the captain. He is the person that is supposed to see what's going to happen or anticipate what's going to happen mm. next. And I, I felt like even for that first goal, there should have been a bit more leadership from Maguire for that particular mm. goal in terms of like, it seems like for me, and I don't know what Andy feels, but Lindelof was really dragged across. So therefore it left that gap behind him. So for some reason I saw Maguire just divering. He wasn't kind of moving yeah. across and shouting behind him to tell us to kind of like, you know, do something at the same time, you've got like uh, McTominay not really doing anything as well. He's yeah. not dropping back. And it was you, you could have highlighted a number of individuals for that performance yesterday. Um, but yeah, obviously the form that Maguire's in, he's going to be highlighted as the catalyst around why they fell and they uh, were pretty poor defensively, weren't they? So definitely. But that being said, I think in the first half, United actually didn't play that badly. Like, what do you think, Andy? I thought in the first half, the first 20 minutes of the first half, first half an hour, United were arguably the better team. City had two two shots, scored both of them, granted, right? But arguably United were the better team in the first half. Like, did you feel, how did you feel going in at half time? I certainly feel that we're in the game. Mm. Um, I think it's fair to say. I mean, Sanchez's goal was absolutely fantastic. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, mm. and despite what's going on at the club at the moment, he is one of the very, very few players who's started to turn into consistent performances. I mean, that was just individual brilliance from him. I mean, he took it past a couple of players, um, called it, you know, 
curled it perfectly past Edison. And yeah, we were doing what United do really well. We did it under, under Solskjaer, is that especially when we play against the big teams, we're always very effective at hitting them on the counter. Mm-hmm. And we were hitting them in a mm-hmm. way which, dare I say it, we wouldn't have been able to do if you had Ronaldo in the starting lineup. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said, that's a conversation for another day, that one. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's in the context of this game, I felt that we had the right personnel for the counter attack. It's just, um, and it, it happens with other United performances, they can't sustain it for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with when it, whatever was said at half time, Manchester City went up another couple of gears yeah. and Manchester United went down. Um, and I think what you're saying is what Adam alluded to is a lack of leadership. You know, Harry Maguire does get you know roasted a lot, but it's in part because he's captain, he plays mm. every single game, and it doesn't seem to be any accountability for bad performances because next week he starts again. Yeah. I think apart from the um the league game last week where he could arguably got dropped, but maybe it was rotated. Um, mm. He's always started every game. And I can understand potentially why maybe the other people in the squad don't feel that way. And I think panic sets in. Like if a guy that's leading your team, especially at the centre of back, is not composed, he's panicking, he's diving into things, he's stood in no man's land, that invariably spreads across yeah. that panic spread yeah. from the players. It's just normal psychology. You know, if one person. Mm-hmm. Other people will. And I think that's kind of what sets in at Manchester United. And I think, you know, centre midfield, I think everything goes down. Obviously, David De Gea's kicking and distribution wasn't good enough, especially when you close down as heavily. Uh, you know, but Tom and, a and Fred um, on, you know, I don't think they ever will be elite midfielders. They'll do a job. Uh, but... They, you know, if you look at the Manchester City personnel, it's no wonder they were eventually overpowered and just outpassed. I think yeah. in the second half, we had an XG of 0.00. I, I did get a shot mm. goal, and there was a stat that came up in like 15 minutes. Uh, we had like 8% possession. And, and you know, for a team that's supposed you know, go for top four at the beginning of the season, we were talking about, oh, we could maybe challenge for the title. Like, that's. The conversations that were being had. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I love watching those videos now of Neville being like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we'll finish above Liverpool." Yeah. Well, to be to be oh, fair though, I did, I did. You know what? I didn't think it was that outrageous last year because we did finish second the year before last that season. That was I. I still insist that was a false position. That was such a weird way how you. It ended was up a very. Second. It was very weird. I don't season, know how it happened. I was just like, but when you think about it logically, last summer you go, okay, we've we've mm. done all right this season. We got to a final. Uh, you know, Maguire was actually playing quite well at the yeah. time. I know it's easy to do all the revisionism and say he's been crap the whole three years. He hasn't. No, the no, first not two all, seasons he was actually yeah, quite yeah. consistent. He's always turned up for England. Yeah. Uh, apart from that surge on in Greece where he got a red card like in the game <laughs> afterwards. But, you know, <laughs> aside from aside from that, he's yeah. always been quite consistent. And when he when he missed the Europa League final last year. He was considered quite, and even when he first missed the first couple of England games, he yeah. was considered a huge loss. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy just to write him off as an absolute disaster. But yeah, this season it's just gone from bad to worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the options behind him haven't been much better. But yeah, it's just a, a bit of a pitiful performance. Unfortunately, yesterday there's, you know, I think I was ranting yesterday that I. Eight out of that first eleven. I, if they got sold in the summer, 
I, I couldn't care less. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. But we do actually need to talk about how good City were, right? Yeah. And like, mm. it's easy to get focused yeah. on the fact that United were were less than impressive. But I think for City, the player that really stood out for me, and we've talked about him a little bit, and the fact that he hasn't really been starting, but Jack Grealish, he got the start, surprised a lot of people that he was starting. I think it was a, very much a challenge by Pep to like, right, this yeah. is your chance, out you go. And I think he more than delivered, really involved in the first goal. Um, I think we can see that he's changed a little bit from the player he was at Villa and he's starting to get that mm. pepification is kind of coming across him, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, whether Which players in particular impressed you, Adam? Like, Or what, what impressed you about the City performance? I think obviously there's so many players in that team that you could have highlighted. Um, I was impressed by the maturity of De Bruyne. I thought he mm-hmm. was really like sophisticated. I felt like he was almost taking over that Fernandinho role where he was like controlling that midfield. So, but we know that from previous matches, not even just this match, for example. Um, I was a bit miffed by Foden's choice, to be fair. Um, okay. But I felt he did quite well. You know, he had that mm-hmm. Gaza-esque move before that second That deserved goal. to be a goal. Like, that deserved yeah, to be a goal. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, it's taken back. But like you say, Grealish, I think, was the one to kind of highlight. And yeah, he was clearly on the mission because I saw in that break of play, obviously Grealish came over to get his bottle of water and Pep was telling him, just carry on, mm-hmm. just do what yeah, you're yeah. doing right now. And as you highlighted at the very beginning, he was really targeting that left-hand side because, yeah, for Aaron Wan-Bissaka, I mean, God knows where he was half the time, to be fair. It was just so many times outdone by Grealish or mm-hmm. someone that was overlapping. So Bernardo Silva, another one that did really yeah. well yesterday as well. So, yeah, you could have highlighted the whole of the Man City team, to be fair. But, yeah, it wouldn't do it justice, would it? Well, this is it, exactly. And it's a moment though, where it's like, again, when we lost them at home in that 2-1, like arguably our best performance of the season and we still <laughs> lost. And you turn around and you go, actually, they're just a bloody good team. They're just a very mm. good team. And they've got lots of very, very good players. Um, and it sounds obvious and it's simplistic, but it's just true. Like, I think, yeah, the, the, the depth they have and the... Um, the ability for them all to switch positions seemingly at ease just overpowers everyone. Scary. I think I mm. did feel sorry for Wan Bissaka after a while. That moment where he got just Foden sent him flying, I was <laughs> like, "You are not having a good yeah. day. Like, it's time for you to go home." But Andy, before we move on and we can move on to different topics, I'm going to give you one minute. Where do United go from here? Oh, one minute's uh, hard, <laughs> but I'll give it a go. I think in short, it's just to get the manager situation sorted for next season. Uh, you know, apparently that work started, and it's important that they get that next decision right. Um, much of that conversation seems to be either Ten Hag or Pochettino. Um, I don't know who it will be. Um, anybody claiming they do, um, including Fabrizio Romano, you're lying because. I don't think even the board knows <laughs> yeah. what they're doing next. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. so that's fair. a flaw in those predictions there. Uh, but yeah, and I think that as well is also the the football side of the um, organisation needs to have the the um, authority, if you like, to get rid of some big name players. Mm. I think, you know, ignore how damaging it might be for the brand. Um, if certain players, you know, to like to say Rashford, you know, if the next manager comes in and goes, I don't think these players are good enough to 
serve a purpose in the long term. They need to go, yep, we'll back you. We'll get rid these players out the door and bring new ones in. And I think mm-hmm. even if it takes mm-hmm. two or three years uh, to build a team of substance, I don't mind too much. Yeah. Um, but I think what fans want is just some sort of coherent plan. It's nothing spectacular. We want the Glazers gone, but let's be honest, they're not going anywhere. So the next best thing we can hope for is a defined footballing structure where, you know, we actually know what Darren Fletcher does on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we know what John Morto does on a day-to-day basis. Like, we want to know that there's forward planning and a reason why we sign players you know we don't want to hear reports of them bragging that they scouted 500 right backs then they got the barrel van bissaka like well this is the odd if i hear one more time arsenal being linked to a player that we didn't got or we didn't get or should have got i'm gonna go mad but i'm gonna have to cut you there off andy i apologize but i think that's that's it get the manager sorted you can figure it out from there but mm. now I get to enjoy myself a little bit <laughs> and we get to talk about Arsenal. Now, I think this was, we made we made heavy work of it. We, As we always do, we made it a lot more difficult than we needed to. But we got another win, four wins in a row. We're now um, only lost one in the last 10 and that was to Manchester City. Um, I think we're in good form. I've seen a lot of um, journalists say... Um, no team wants top four this year. And I think it's utter bullshit. Arsenal really want top four this year and we are playing for it. But I don't want to get carried away. So I want to get some outside opinions of what do you think has changed in this Arsenal team and how impressed have you been? I'm going to start with you, Adam, then we'll go to Andy. Yeah, I mean, you have to hand it to Arteta. The way he's kind of, I suppose, pioneered this style of football, got the buy-in of the players. Mm -hmm. I think... He's got the respect of the younger kind of kids. So like your Sackers, Emil Smith-Rowe, um, you know, you're looking at Martinez now. He's really like upping his game as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, you've got a good core now. That That's the thing that I think has always lacked at Arsenal. There's a good core of players that kind of believe the Arsenal way. They've got an identity. Um and I think the other thing is he's got rid of the bad eggs, hasn't he? So, yeah. you know, Gwendouzi's... I, I, I'm still a bit, like, debatable about the Shaka, whether he's a good egg or a bad egg. <laughs> we all are. We all are. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, I think he's just got... He's cleared it a bit like what Man United needs. They need mm-hmm. to clear out those players that really don't give a damn about the club, and that's what Arteta's done. He's been given the backing. I don't think it's complete, you know. I think he'll admit oh, no. he's only, what, maybe year two of a five-year plan or whatever they've yeah. got. But, I mean, it's interesting because at the beginning of this season, I think there was still a lot of question marks whether they were Arteta signings or Edu signings. And actually, now you're starting to see that he's working with that team quite closely. It's interesting that he sent a lot of the youngsters away as well. So, yeah, let's see what happens. But, I mean, it's very promising. My only question back to you is, are you a bit worried about the depth of players because you're going into this run-in now, for example, mm. where there's a few big games, like obviously against Man United coming up in a few months or a month's time, roughly. Um, yeah, are you kind of feeling that a few injuries might kind of sway the season? I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, just quickly, before I answer your question, we've had a response mm. uh, from the chat from Rudy. Xhaka is apparently a cracked egg. I think that is actually a very <laughs> good definition of Xhaka. <laughs> I will take that. Um, look, I think the the thinness of the squad was like a calculated risk by Arteta. Mm. I think it was like, 
okay, can we get through these games? We're out of the FA Cup now, right? We don't need that. So can we get through this? I think it could bite us in the arse massively. Like, I, it does worry me, the fact that every game, the only substitutions we can make are Enketia off the bench and Pepe are, like, the only players mm. that we can really bring on. And Pepe, I have we have seen improvement, but he's still a £72 million flop at this point. Like, it is... There's a lot of weight on him. I think it could all fall apart. But also that being said, I think top four would be a massive, uh, like I saw um, Mm. Laura Woods talking about it on TalkSport today. (laughs) It would be a massive overachievement. I could not agree more. We've gone from the beginning of the season, people telling us that we were going to be mid-table, right? Arsenal have finished the crap. They've wasted 150 million. Takahiro who, right? People laughing at Aaron Ramsdale at how bad he was going to be. You can't then turn around and say, oh, you've bottled it if you don't finish top four. Like, I think we are in a very good position, but it would still be an overachievement. So I think with the thinness of the squad, it could all go wrong. But I weirdly, without jinxing it, I think we can do it. I think we're getting results against teams we're supposed to get results against, which is not what Arsenal used to do at all. Mm. We haven't beaten any big teams this season. I'm including Spurs. But the you don't need to win those games. That's only a combined yeah. 18 points a year, really. It's nice. I would love to win those games. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to beat United. I'd love to beat Chelsea. But if we don't, I don't think it's the end of the season. Um... So I think the way the attitude of the players now is they keep saying it, we've got 13 cup finals and you can see it. They're just yeah. not listening to outside noise. They're not getting carried away with it. It's just one game at a time, one game at a time. I think Arteta has definitely, definitely won me over. I can see the vision now. I can see it. And I think mm. if I was saying pre-record to Andy, like the, the, the difference in how I feel about this Arsenal team from now compared to last year is insane. Like, there were so yeah. many players that I just hated or just felt nothing about or just yeah. did not. And now, this team, I could not love them anymore. Between Saka yeah, and the- Smith-Rowe and Erdegaard, all of them. I'll, I'll list them all, apart from Cedric. <laughs> like, I <laughs> love them all. And I think Arteta has, like, really turned that around so quickly. Um, so, Andy, do you think... Do you think you've got a genuine rival for top four now? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, and you know, it turns what you've both said, you're right. I think Arteta's finally got the bad eggs, you know, as we were talking on mm. like, offline. Mm. He's finally got rid of the bad eggs out of the squad, you know, players, you know, the likes of um, Bamiyang and Granduzzi and the like, you know, have all been shipped out and moved on. And what you've got, which I think is what Arteta always wanted is a core of young players who've got lots of room to improve that will take Arteta's ideas mm-hmm. you know but obviously likes of Udegaard um, who I think still is good enough to be playing for Real Madrid now he yeah. just his face yeah. didn't fit I think it was one of those kind of things mm-hmm. um, you know very lucky to have obviously Smith Rowe and Saku as your homegrown boys like they're really coming to their own I think I nearly uh, when you put on the group earlier about the whole Saka being young player of the year I nearly replied and told you to do one um, in too much words. I was going to, that was going to be my and next then, talking point, I, but let's go. Then, I think then, Saka's got a shout of being. And you know what? Me. I was having to think about it. I thought, okay, let me take my emotion out of it and look at logic. I thought, actually, his output this year, considering he plays pretty much all mm. over the pitch, is brilliant. Yeah. Like, he's effective wherever he is. And I can't think of another player at his age 
base performing at that kind of level. So yeah, I think um, also got the squad. I think the only thing that the asterisks I'll put to that is Arsenal have always gone for these spells over the years yeah. where. You know, they look very convincing <laughs> at beating yeah. the teams they're supposed to be beating. Um, I think, you know, since January, if you looked at, you know, the sort of teams that, that you've been playing recently, you know, the likes of uh, Wolves, Brentford, uh, teams like that, is that you should be beating them. Well, exactly. Like, we should it, You know, at Watford in the politest way possible, and you are. So that's fair enough. Uh, but the difficulties always become like, you know, when one, when the pressure's on, and they're expected to do something. And two, when they come up against teams of substance, is that they always tend to, historically, tended to struggle. So if you look at their next fixtures of, you know, was it Leicester City, they've got a home. Mm. They've always been quite tough for Arsenal in recent times. Uh, Liverpool... Then we've got Liverpool. That's the... I mean, you you basically bowl over for Liverpool every time you play. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, It's been been a few years as well. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's uh, obviously Villa, you know, Villa and Palace, like, obviously Palace is a derby, but Villa, you should be winning that. Uh, Brighton at home, you should be winning Southampton, but then you've, you know, there are games there, but it's the games against the big teams... um, or teams that are doing well, I think is where you'll really see progress. You know, if we're having a chat in a couple of weeks and you've done one over Liverpool, you've done one over Leicester, uh, you know, you've got a tough derby when it gets Palace, then you could probably turn around and go, oh, actually, yeah, maybe they are the sort of mm-hmm. real deal. Yeah, I think I think the, the closest we've had so far is the win over Wolves, I think was massive because Wolves have been great this year and incredibly hard mm. to beat. They've not conceded many goals. For us to go 1-0 down and get the win, I think was huge. But if we talk about this game very quickly, we made it so hard for ourselves and gifted. Watford's first goal was unbelievable. Very good, yeah. Absolutely beautiful overhead kick, which I was very pissed off at. And we <laughs> could we we could have been 1-0 down within 17 seconds if Emmanuel Dennis had kept himself yeah. on side. Like, we were not good. But going forward, we were incredibly, incredibly clinical. And I think, going back to Saka, only Florian Verts in the Bundesliga is as a player under 21, has scored more um, this season. He's now on 55 um, goal and assists in his career for Arsenal, and he's only 20 years old. This season, he's got 13 goals or assists, eight goals and five assists. I think this guy is... He's the most excited I've been about an Arsenal player since Cesc Fabregas. And I think I'm arguably more excited about this guy. I cannot believe he's come through our youth system. It's insane. We've just, at the time when the club was at the lowest and Emery was struggling and he just gambled and put this kid on the pitch and he's instantly become a key player. And you're like, how have we got this? And then his best mate turns out to be arguably equally as good it is it's incredibly exciting time to be an Arsenal fan as long as we get top four um but as you said Martinelli as well Martinelli's goal was Mm. beautiful Uh, what a finish and between the three of them and Erdegaard who I'm going to get on to I think we're really really looking very dangerous up front our defense finally looked solid even though we were a little bit shaky yesterday I think Gabriel and Ben White at the back have been outstanding. Put Saliba in there as well as backup. I think we're looking very good. We just need a striker. We just need a striker. Now, Lacazette does an incredible (laughs) job. He's now got 
Um, six assists in his last eight games. He's got the most assists in the league since December. He just can't score. So what he yeah. does is he gives assists because he can't score. Um, but I think it's really exciting. We can get a striker. It all hinges on us finishing top four. I hope we do it. In the quotes, you have Rudy against the United and Spurs will be the will be good tests for us. I think they're the, those are the teams that I'm thinking we can beat. We can beat United. We can beat Spurs. We probably won't beat Liverpool. Most likely won't beat Liverpool. <laughs> we have a weird record against Chelsea, but I still don't think we'll beat them. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm slowly getting confident of a top four finish. But we can move on from Arsenal and United now. I think we've done half an hour on just them two. Um, we can quickly go through the Premier League. Um, I'm going to go with Andy. One result that stood out to you that wasn't the United result. Oh, they've still got emotional damage from that. But obviously, Burnley capitulated to Chelsea 4 mm. 0. I thought that was a very, considering the uh, instability that um, Chelsea have had. And I, was, I watched that game on Saturday. And uh, the second half, um, Chelsea absolutely tore Burnley to shreds. Uh, for Reese James's goal, if you haven't seen it, mm. uh, was oh beautiful. We yeah. did did the defender uh, no end and slap one in. Um, obviously, if Kai Havertz um, giving um, to grief more reasons to leave the car queue out. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he started to find a bit of goal scoring for in recent weeks because mm-hmm. me and Adam were talking about it um, on yeah. our pod. Um, and he's doing everything right apart from maybe improve the goal scoring a bit. Um, now mm. he's starting to do that. So, yeah, I think it was quite a um, a very good performance. I think Chelsea needed a boring win. Mm. Uh, they yeah. needed just a routine, no nonsense, no drama win to do what's going on with them at the yeah. moment. So, yeah, I think they certainly got what they wanted, but they looked very, very good. And I think you'd back them. Definitely to finish third. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, other than that, I think Brentford winning an actual football match. I think it, that was incredible. It, Even Tony, yeah. um, Frank Thomas Frank saying he's the greatest penalty yeah. taker in the world at the moment. I think it's hard to argue. I do love his style of um, penalty taking, and he's got sixteen out of sixteen apparently while he's at Brentford. Um, so he's very very good. But I wanted to also give a shout to Tuchel for his comments because the. Chelsea fans are the worst, right? We can just we can all accept yeah. that Chelsea fans yeah. are the worst, right? Um, they, of course, in the classless way that they do, chanted Roman Abramovich's name during the um, applause for Ukraine. Yeah. But I have been really impressed by Thomas Tuchel and how he's leading at the moment. He called them out. He didn't toe the part of the company line. He called them out. Said, it, "This is not what we do. We're paying respect." And I think. The only thought I could have was like some of the managers they've had in the past would not be handling this so well. The whole mm. situation that's going on. I think Chelsea are very, very fortunate to have him in charge. I think, I think equally though, other managers would have got away with saying that. I think that's very a true. Difference yeah. Because you know, Tuchel's got credit in the bank. He won mm-hmm. the fucking Champions League last season. Very true. Uh, but if you refer back to say some previous managers that they had, I'll give you Rafa Benitez. <laughs> he could have said exactly the same thing. He'd have been and, lynched outside the ground. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think with Tuchel, he's in the position to get away with saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, because they play good football, they with the trophy under him. Uh, so he's got the credit in the bank to be able to come out with that. And like I said, unfortunately, Chelsea fans just have to swallow it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, they can't argue that it's the right thing to do. Like they don't have a leg to stand on. They so don't. Like, no, you just have to just um, take it. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like if whilst we're sort of on that subject, they're very Roman Abramovich is very lucky he's been given the opportunity to sell Chelsea because I don't know if it had, if that had been elsewhere, he would have had sanctions put on him straight yeah. away. Yeah, him and Chelsea would be absolutely buggered. Yeah, we're lucky. giving him plenty of time. Let's just say that. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, th- th- this sale is not being rushed, right? <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is a slow sale. But Adam, yeah. one one result that stood out for you this weekend, you were like, hmm. uh, yeah, I was going to call out Brentford, but let's go for Aston Villa four nil nice. against Southampton. Coutinho looks really sharp. Um, yeah, obviously, I don't know about on this pod, but Jacob Ramsey looks the real deal as well. Um, and exciting. I think what's interesting as well, I don't know about you guys, but where you're seeing Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins kind of try and combine. So they're not competing mm. against each other. Like um, I think it was a few weeks back, Stevie Gerrard was saying how he didn't know who to play, who to do as the sole forward. And he bashed their heads together and said, right, you've got to work together together. And it's working a treat right now. So they seem to be really getting a tune out of the two of them. But, you know, you look at the attacking options for Villa. Villa looked like a really exciting side for next year. Not this season, yeah. unfortunately. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they can just get rid of Tyron Mings, I'm sure they'll be even more sounder at the back, to be fair. Because he had his moment as well in this match, to be fair. Um, but, yeah. That said, yeah, I think the turnaround from them has been almost like obviously the biggest turnaround this year is Newcastle, and there's many reasons for that. But I think the Mm. turnaround in Aston Villa this year has been huge. Like they've gone from maybe getting sucked into a Premier League, well, into a relegation battle to like comfortably, as you said, an exciting team to watch, some great players with a promising future where you're thinking, okay, maybe next year they're going to be eyeing up the Europa League spots, if you know what I mean, and you wouldn't be surprised. The turnaround from them has been crazy. With yeah. Coutinho, I still just can't shake the feeling that if they sign him on a if they sign him, he goes anonymous. I just can't I get the feeling he's playing know. for a move. I don't know. It's seven million is what's being quoted to sign him, right? So that sounds I like a bargain, like nothing. Yeah. And I think he's got respect for Gerard. Um mm, which I think if that was a different manager then I don't think, like you say, I think he might go missing. But I think Mm. he's at that kind of point in his career where he needs to do something because he's been anonymous for the last three. Um, The fact that his best performance came against the club that he was actually with, i.e. Barcelona against (laughs) Bayern Munich. I mean, that was laughable. But yeah, to the point, I think Coutinho will make this work. And I think he's got the right manager there. Um, I think there's still question marks about Gerrard, but... He's yeah. proving all the doubts is wrong right now. So he's building a really good squad there. Well, that's it, exactly. And this is his biggest win since he's been in charge. They had a bit yeah. of a shaky, uh, shaky patch of form, but he's turned it around and they are looking like Southampton. I honestly, when there was 35 minutes left on the, the clock, I was like, oh, is this going to be another one of them? <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is it the annual time for a 9-0? But they did manage to hold it off. They are prone to this. But yeah, I was yeah. very, very impressed by the Aston Villa performance. And that first Ollie Watkins goal is absolutely beautiful. Cool. The cut-in is, oh, chef's kiss. I loved it. But we need to move to Serie A. Even though Tommy isn't here, we need to actually talk about yeah. Serie A. Um, so there's only one place to start, and that is the most handsome man in <laughs> yes. football, Olivier Giroud, Ryland. conquering Napoli. Now, I 
I'm going to have a bit of a rant here because I remember the one season, I think it was 14-15, where he went on a massive goal-scoring barren run and cost us the league title. He's since leaving Arsenal. He's only ever scored in big games, including against us in the Europa League final. It's incredibly frustrating, but I do enjoy seeing Giroud happy. I do really enjoy seeing him happy. (laughs) And it was another great, just a key moment from a striker who always turns up. Um, Mm. What were your impressions of the game, Adam? And I'll go to you, Andy. Yeah, I was, um, I suppose, kind of hoping Napoli might do this, purely because, Mm. like, you know, Napoli never seem to get any luck when it comes to these kind of games where they need to win to at least stand a chance of a title. But you have to hand it to Milan. Like, first 10 minutes, it seems to be all Napoli. Then they got themselves back into it, like, in terms of just having a bit of possession, because Pioli was losing it on the sidelines. I don't know <laughs> yeah. what he was doing, but he could have yeah. been sent off within 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, obviously they seem to get control of the game. They seem to calm it down, but they were creating opportunities. Like they weren't clinical, but they were creating opportunities, right? Mm. Second half, I think that really stung like the whole game in terms of Napoli. They just didn't know what to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be fair, on the counter-attack, they look really dangerous. And this is the thing with Milan. Like, even though they've got a makeshift defence at the moment, with Kalulu being the centre-back at the moment, Osserman didn't really do much. He was kind of pretty much marked out of the game, apart from the Mm. half-turns from the halfway line. So, really good performance. Giroud, I think that's really good that he got that goal because there was a lot of stigma around him only scoring goals at home. Um, And that was his first one away, right? So, the fact that he's got that off the back and um, obviously Zlatan came back into the game obviously last (laughs) few minutes, but... He's going to be quite critical now. If you think about the run Milan have got to do now, and I was looking at their kind of fixture list, the next five games are with teams in the bottom half of Serie A. So that's really favourable. But we know with AC Milan, they have the tendency to screw those games up as well. So it's not a foregone conclusion. But yeah, a really important win, but a really good victory for AC Milan. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you touched on a really interesting point there. And the, the thing of Osimhen having a quiet night, and this is an English centre-back who's not getting acknowledged, and he needs to be. Tomori yeah. had an unbelievable performance. He's been great in Serie A this whole season. I think, honestly, the fact that Chelsea let him go, I think is a bit mad. Yeah. Um, he's been unbelievable since he came to Italy, and I think he was a key reason why. Even like having Kalulu next to him, I think the fact mm. that Tomori is a lot more mature than his years, I think he really yeah. is. Like you, He doesn't look like a young centre-back. I think he was able to kind of coach him through the game, keep it organised. And it's great to see an English player absolutely smashing it in Serie A. There's a few of them at the moment, mm. but it's great to see him there. I think Liao, now I'm Liao's biggest critic because I'm still not quite convinced. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I think he had a bit of a wasteful night. I don't think he had yeah. his best game. Um, but... For Napoli, I really thought the Lazio result was going to push them through. And I thought that was going to be a huge boost. Insigne, basically, it felt like dragged them through that game, even though it was Ruiz who got the winner. Insigne was kind of anonymous this game. I feel like he really did not have an effect at all. Um, The midfield was completely ineffective. Even players like Fabian Ruiz, Lebocca, they weren't able to have an impact. Um, And I think it was... As always with Napoli, they have this psychological, they have just this, 
Mm. complex that comes up at the worst times and like tommy said on previous episodes the fact that juve are even slightly mentioned in the title race now i think is getting into napoli's head and they're like <laughs> looking over their shoulder going oh christ are they there like um so i think i've i feel bad for napoli i think spalletti is the definition of the nearly man in Serie A. though like, he's yeah, very much like just not quite there but if we're looking at the title race i'll go for the table and then andy i'll ask you for your prediction of who's going to win it we have milan in first on 60 points into second with a game in hand on 58 napoli in third on 57 so three points separating the top three juventus in fourth on 53 but we're not mentioning them in the title race we're not mentioning them in the title race because the more we do that they might actually get involved so andy if you have to pick a team who do you think is going to be lifting the scudetto this year I think my heart would like to say um, Napoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the past few games, they've all been similar bouts of form. They're like, there's nobody really who strang five, six, seven wins on the bounce. And I think the team that does that in the um, next few games will be the one that all two wins the league. Um, and I think, yeah, I think looking at you know Napoli's uh, fixtures, obviously you've got Verona, Udinese, uh, Atalanta will be a, and uh, Fiorentina will be particularly tough games for them. Uh, they've probably got the harder runners towards the end of the season, but I would just the romantic side of me really wants them to lift it. Mm, um, it. Yeah, it would be it would be incredible. It, it, I, have think, a... I think most neutrals probably would want Napoli to win it. I think if it was to go in terms of logic, though. Uh, I think AC Milan might just get it over the line. I would feel so sorry for Inter fans, including Tommy, if the first time <laughs> they win the title, they then have to hand it over to Milan. would be particularly galling, <laughs> I think. But you're right, Napoli's running form. They've got Verona away next, which is a rough game. That front mm. three is one of the most dangerous in Europe. They've got Udinese at home, Atalanta away, Fiorentina at home, then Roma at home. So it's a bit of a tough run. After that, it gets a little bit easier, except Sassuolo at home. So I think they've got a chance. They just need to put that result behind them and kind of look forward. Verona is going to be, that's going to be a great game. They're a very great team to watch. Adam, how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling Inter, personally. I just feel like, yeah, after Friday's result against Salernitana, they needed that where they could just score lots of hatful of goals. Um, and do you know what? That's, that's what they've kind of needed. They've got their players back. And I, I suspect for the Champions League, they're not going to expect too much, right? But yeah, no, going no, forward. No, no. Just play the <laughs> reserves. Just get it out yeah, of the exactly. way. Like, yeah. They've still got the Coppa Italia, haven't they? Still mm-hmm. to play. Um, and yeah, going forward into the league. I think when I was looking at their position in terms of fixtures, Juve is going to be a big one. Yeah. Potentially, they've got to still play. Um, but that said, I think the others seem relatively feasible in terms of getting wins against them and the thing for me about Napoli is Spalletti I felt like for certain games he hasn't got the tactics right for example it's like yesterday why didn't he have Mertens on a lot sooner Zelinski's been poor for the last few games as well so why mm-hmm. wasn't he yeah. brought off a lot sooner for example Elmas had a great um, appearance when he turned on for Lazio again he should have maybe started in this match mm-hmm. so yeah there's a few things that kind of for me, kind of say, yes, Belletti still is that nerdy man, as you said. So, yeah, but then, yeah, AC Milan, you can't underestimate them. They are just scary at the moment as well in terms of they're getting the people at the right time back as well. But, yeah, come on, Inter. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I was just looking at the fixtures. So, obviously, as you said, they've got the Liverpool game 
<laughs> that's done really, isn't it? Yeah, str- yeah stranger yeah, things have yeah. happened, but don't hold your breath. They've then got Torino away, Fiorentina at home, which will be a rough one. Juventus into, as you mentioned, that's the last game of the top four teams playing each other. Like this is, mm. that is a huge, huge game. Then they've got Verona at home, Spezia away, Roma at home after that. They've still got some big games where they could slip up. But I think, look, Obviously, I'm hoping in to do it. But just for in the name of balance in Milan's matches, as you said, they've got a bit of an easy run coming up now. They've got Empoli at home, Cagliari away, Bologna at home, Torino away, Genoa at home. Like It doesn't get yeah. difficult until Lazio away. Like They should be getting maximum points there. So I think it's all about Inter winning that game in hand as well. But it's going to be a great title race. It's good. It's so good to see title races back in exactly. Italy and not just Juventus walk into it every year. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right. Long may it continue. A different winner every year would be great, but I'm really, really excited about this title race. Elsewhere in Italy, we need to go all the way down <laughs> to the basement, boys, where it was a rough weekend for everyone at the bottom. Like, all yeah. the teams at the bottom, apart from Udinese, they had a good result. Can have had a rough weekend. So, as you said, Inter absolutely slapped Salernitana 5 0. Um, Cagliari lost 3 0 to Lazio. Yeah. Um, Genoa got another draw. Now, six <laughs> draws in a row for Genoa, right? <laughs> six draws in a row. And I was trying to go through their form. And I messaged you guys on WhatsApp. Like, I honestly had to check this like so many times. I thought, like, that can't be right. Genoa have won one game this season. And it was on September the 12th. That was their last win. Wow. They beat Cagliari 3-2 away, right? Um, I do not understand how they're not bottom. That says just how bad Salernitana have been, really. (laughs) Genoa have won one game. But they have drawn, and this blew my mind, they've drawn 15 15. games. Yeah. Like, this is, it's so mad how, like, when I play football manager, I always look at how many draws I'm getting. I'm like, oh, I probably need a striker because I'm not killing games off, right? I'm not killing games off. That is the definition of it. Like, if you are drawing 15 games, just not quite able to get that one shot, that one goal, Genoa are in trouble. They have been in yeah. trouble for years. A lot of people would argue it's about time they went down. Um, but the one team that did get a result, and a team I've kind of been a little bit impressed with this year, is Udinese 2, Sampdoria mm. 1. Um, it looks like they've kind of pulled themselves out of it a little bit, maybe. Gerard Delafeu, Premier League fans, um, yeah. still doing bits at Udinese. Great to see him there. And um, hot Italian youngster, Destiny Udogie, getting his second goal in two games. I bring it up because I've got him in Fanta Calcio, and that was definitely appreciated. So the situation at the bottom now, we see Salernitana bottom on 15 points. They're gone, yeah. Right, um, Genoa in 19th on 18, Venezia on 22 points, Cagliari on 25, and Spezia on 26. Genoa, as I said, drawn their last six games. Venezia, I'm kind of surprised to see down there. Um, I feel like mm. they've had an actually pretty impressive season. Have you managed to watch much of Venezia this year? Yeah, they're, they're a good side, aren't they? When they can get the ball on the ground and they're mm. not being bullied, that's what I, I tend to see, that once they're getting bullied, they kind of get demoralised. So it almost feels like they need a bit more experience in that midfield just to kind of calm themselves down a bit sometimes. Um, but that said, you know, I think they've got the quality of players in there because 
we're forgetting about Nani, for example. He's there, right? Yeah, and then yeah, we've got yeah, yeah, Romero yeah. in goal as well, who was unlucky for the penalty uh, this weekend. Oh, but, that was so close. You could yeah, see him like, damn he it. He kind of like, just jumped so past it. Yeah. And just purely for nostalgia, we want more shirts, right? So we want them to stay up, right? So, uh, <laughs> they, but yeah, they bring so it. much to Serie A. I think they bring a lot to Serie A. The atmosphere in the stadium there, they're a very... You might not, we might Hips not agree with choice. the politics of the fans, but they're a very passionate fan group. I think they bring a lot to the, <laughs> to the Serie A. It would be a shame to see them go down. But I was looking at the fixtures they have left. Now, the teams they have to play around them, they've got to play Lazio, Fiorentina, Atalanta, Juve, and Roma. Mm. They've got some rough fixtures coming up. But they do also have to play Sampdoria, Spezia, Udinese, and Cagliari. So they've got a, a, a play, they've got to play a few of the teams around them. So they could could have a chance they of course got absolutely pumped by Sassuolo um 4-1 this weekend mm. the exciting attacking talent of of Italy really coming to the fore again Raspadori Scamacca Berardi all getting on the Crazy. score sheet so great yeah. to see Sassuolo there but Venezia I do worry a little bit about but I'm going to go through the fixtures that they have so Cagliari they lost 3-0 to Lazio Again, a team that I think just need a relegation to get it out of their system. They still <laughs> just get have... modern, like yeah, it's been too long. Just get it over with. It kind of like you know how Watford for years stayed up, or Bournemouth for years stayed up, and you were like, you just need to go down, yeah, take a breath, up. and go yeah. again. Like it very much feels like that for Cagliari, and they have got some rough fixtures coming up. They've got to play Milan at home, Juve at home. Um, and Inter at home. So all of them at home, but I'm not fancy... Oh, and Sassuolo at home. So I'm not fancying them getting any any results there, really. Um, mm. As for who else is left, Calgary, Venezia, Genoa, Spezia, a team that did really yeah. well in their season last year. Obviously, um, Italiano went on to Fiorentina, so that was a yeah. big part of that. But Thiago Motta looked to have steadied the ship a bit, but they're slowly getting sucked into it um what have you have you managed to see much of spezia this season what have you made of them they're a bit of a weird team to watch like, yeah I, I wouldn't turn on to watch Spezia. no exactly you know I mean? and i've only really seen a bit of glimpses through highlights mm -hmm. but again tiago motta as you say he seems to be getting his results even though i think even the spezia fans don't really rate him right they yeah. don't really like his yeah, style of play not and it's not convinced. pretty to be fair yeah. but He's getting results, um, but yeah, I think it's unfortunate that, I mean, we're talking about he's played Juventus, right? He's played a big squad, a uh, big, big team even, should I say. So it's going to be about the head-to-heads, I think, against these mm -hmm. other teams, really. So the Empolis, the Bolognias, for example, whether they can get results there. Um, but yeah, uh, again, they're a team like Calgary that I, I wouldn't be like crying if they were relegated to be honest no this is it i kind of liked them as the fairy tale story last year it was their first mm. season in Serie A ever and you're like oh this is a you know it's a tiny little town with this like five thousand five thousand seat stadium it's a nice story mm. and they did really well last year and italiano i really like as a coach but under motto it's just not been as fun yeah. to watch it's not been as convincing but they did a really good like Okay, Juve are happy to score one goal and do nothing else, but yeah, they did exactly. well to be competitive in this game and push Juve. Yeah. Um, but while we're mentioning Juve, we should probably talk about them. They are slowly creeping up, right? So we said they're in yeah. fourth place, 53 points. Now, I saw a really interesting question posed by, I think it was Carlo Garganese on Twitter, oh, who yeah. does the Italian football show, right? Mm. Um, 
And he was asking Juve fans, do you care about attractive football or do you just care about the results? Mm. So I'm kind of springing this on you guys, but for your teams, how much do you care about attractive football and how much is it about results? Because for Juve fans, I think they are the fans that are most likely to least give a shit about how the football (laughs) looks and just care about the results. Andy, how important is it for you? Yeah, for me, I think results outweigh everything like really mm. they don't get me wrong it's nice to be able to play good football but there were teams like Juventus finishing second isn't good enough for them mm-hmm. uh, you know Pirlo is an example like he got binned off because you're right you might play some nice easy on the eye football but if you're not winning football matches it doesn't matter um, so I think you know with obviously Allegri having come back I think they're more than happy to shit house their way to a title every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ultimately their their bread and butter. Um, so you know, I think Juventus probably want them to maybe do a bit better in Europe than they have done in recent years. But <laughs> they're, no, they're desperate for it. They yeah. Are yeah, yeah, they're probably for desperate it. for European <laughs> campaign. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't see comp- like when you look at comments and stuff online. Juve fans don't really seem preconceived with having to play a particular brand of football. It's about did you win or did you not? Yeah. Um, as me and Adam and Craig discussed on the Hopeless Pod, that you know, Sidi Vlaovic, um, you know, even mm. pleading poverty, they found seventy million pounds at the back of the sofa, <laughs> yeah. and suddenly they've got the best number, one of the best number nines in the league. Um, you know, and that's a cold-hearted. Yeah. business decision to go no we need to win some football matches and buying somebody to do that um so yeah i don't think style style um is as much a concern as it would be for other clubs mm. uh, adam what do you think how much how, how important is it for you yeah, yeah i mean again i'm much like andy i think at the end of the day uh, it doesn't matter how you get the wins and how you get the trophies for example okay. everyone's going to remember you winning stuff rather than the style of football um so like being even a wickham supporter we had a period of time where we had john gorman play total football played right. outplayed teams right but we never won anything we we, we <laughs> faltered at the end and we didn't even make it into the playoffs for example so for me it's like what what do i get out of that nothing because the sport yeah reminisce about how great the football was but did we actually achieve anything no and under gareth ainsworth for example we're playing a more direct style of football maybe not as uh boring as allegri's style of football but <laughs> yeah, 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 this is the difference but we we are being a bit more successful in the style of play and you know we're winning stuff where we've been in the championship for the first time in 143 years of our history so for example that kind of thing you kind of go yeah there's some merit in terms of playing a more direct style of football for example and I will forgive him because we are doing stuff we are winning stuff and we're going places so yeah it's a balance isn't it for fans I think there's this idealist style of football that we should be playing total football Holland's 1974 style football but actually yeah you want to uh, also win and I think fans want that at the end of the day so it doesn't matter what level whether you're at my level at Wicked Wonders or if you're Andy for example I'm sure if you pose that question to Andy to say next five years you can win everything but you're playing this really direct football he'll take it 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel maybe I'm just a bit of a romantic. I want my teams to play nice football. I, I You're maybe just it's a bit just of an Arsenal watched... fan. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's just it watched Arsenal gloriously fail for the past ten years, is <laughs> or fifteen years. It's kind of. I think teams get remembered for the style of football they play. I think you do remember. I think you do. You you don't only get the glory. You get remembered as a great footballing team. I think it does matter. I think it does. Yeah, matter. but you or get maybe... remembered. You get remembered more for winning shit. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's true. No, one, <laughs> no, one's, no one's gonna remember Arsenal 0809 season, right? I barely remember it. We were playing nice football, but we didn't do so at all. So I think, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe you've got a point. But I kind of got lost. So quickly before we end, we need to make a <laughs> prediction on who's gonna get relegated in Serie A. So between the teams I'm picking that are still in it, we I think Sampdoria, Spezia, Cagliari, Venezia, and Genoa. If we take Salernitana is down. Adam, who are you having as your bottom three for the end of the uh, season? Salernitana, Genoa and Spezia. Spezia, I think, yeah, I think that could be right. Adam, what, uh, Andy, sorry, what do you reckon? Well, Salernitana, obviously, I had watched up until uh, Friday night as it happens. And um, they are not if good. There was a bit in there which stuck in my head, right? If you'll get outpaced to the wing by Eddie Zecco, then you deserve to get relegated <laughs> yeah. to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Um, they, so, you know, if he's they got promoted moves, too early. They got promoted yeah, too early. If he's making moves, if he's making you making him look like the new same bolt, then you need you just need to pack it in for the rest of the season, to be honest with you, because they got absolutely torn to shreds against Inter. So, uh, yeah, they'll absolutely go down. I think Genoa, I think they're another one where they've, they've got, what, seven points just to even get to safety, which means they're going to have to start, I think, out of their last 10 games, probably have to win mm. six or seven out of the yeah. last 10, and that that ain't happening. No. Um, I think Calgary, I think they will go down um, yeah. I haven't seen too much of this season but they're a little bit like you know Burnley where you're just kind of waiting for them they've never been quite they don't play great football but they're not quite shit enough to go down there's always been yeah. three worst teams I think yeah. maybe this year is when the luck runs that, out that said um, though they are on form right now I think they're fifth in the form league right now for they are somehow yeah. Like they are somehow pulling it out of the bag and they always do it. They made some deal with the devil or something. Like they just <laughs> always somehow just keep their head above water. And I think I, we talked about it on the last pod. I've got a weird, I just don't like Calgary. Every time I've watched them, I'm like, oh, for God's sake, just go. You're terrible. <laughs> like, so I think they're going to stay up. I think, unfortunately, we could see. I want Venezia to stay up, so I'm going to say Spezia, but just because my heart doesn't want Venezia to go down. Um, so, yeah, there we have it. Guys, we are finished for this week. Thank you for coming on to the pod. I need to do the things that Tommy usually does, and hopefully <laughs> I get it right. Um, please follow us on. It's along the bottom. Please follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod and on Instagram <laughs> at Anglo Italian Pod. Follow our sponsors at Sports Club Maps. And, guys, um, please tell us where can we follow you, where can we find you, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at the Hopeless Wonder Podcast or on Twitter at Hopeless Pod. So feel free to join us. Me, Andy, and Craig, our regular co-hosts, uh, join the show on Thursdays at 8 p.m. So feel free to join us. But thank you again, Rory, for having us as well. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Not just because I got to talk about Arsenal for extra long now, Tommy isn't here. That isn't the only <laughs> reason. But thank you, guys. Um, listeners, viewers, we will see you on Friday where I think... 
I think we have a special guest on Friday. I hope I haven't just ruined it, but I'm pretty sure we have. So we will see you on Friday, guys. Have a good week. Take care.